Welcome back to Brothers King Talk. Once again, my name is Samuel. And I'm JP. And uh, Samuel, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. I'm hanging out in the year 1971. Um, anything interesting happened then? You know, uh, funny you should ask. <laughs> so on June 17th, uh, very interesting. So uh, I've maybe mentioned this to you maybe one or two times. Um, I'm quite interested in World War II. I'm very interested in history as a whole. But World War II has really fascinated me. I took an entire class on it uh, when I was in college. And so on June 17th in 1971, the representatives of Japan and the United States would sign the Okinawa Reversion Agreement, whereby the U.S. would return control of Okinawa back to the Japanese. Now, this is important primarily because it was 27 years after the Japanese surrender at the end of World War II. So wow. World War II ended and Okinawa remained under United States control for 27 more years. That is insane. It, it really is. But June 17th uh, of 1971, that was signed back over and Okinawa was officially back with uh, Japanese hands. Huh. That is cool. Yeah, just a little bit of, just a little cool uh, World War II history fact. I guess I had to stop and think about it. like twenty seven years ago. I guess that would have been World War II. That would have been about forty six, right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, just about the end of it. Yeah. So that's um, and I that's so weird to think. Like <laughs> I think of World War II way before the seventies, but I guess it really isn't that. I mean, if you really think about it, World War II and World War One happened within like 30 years of each other mm -hmm. so i mean well because world war one ended now i'm not I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me but it ended around 19 1915 or 1910 or something like that i can't remember off the top of my head but and then there was the great depression and then world war two started up around the early 30s yeah. And, you know, if you think like the last World War One that just died like um, five or ten years ago. Yeah. So, so it's it's hard to believe that, you know, it, it, not in our lifetime, but definitely in our grandparents lifetime, there has been two major world wars. Yeah, that is weird. Um, so. Fun facts aside, let's talk about um, a song that is not a Christmas song, but I thought it was at first when I just saw the title. I, I know. So, okay, so Joy to the World by Three Dog Night is the song that we're going to be talking about today. And I, I thought it was going to be the Christmas song. I was like, oh, that's very interesting. Joy to the World must have like really shook the world. Uh, Christmas of 1971, but that is in, in fact not what happened because this song has nothing to do with the Christmas Carol. But you know what it does have to do with? Um, a little bit of our own history. So the writer of the song was a folk singer named Hoyt Axton, mm -hmm. and Hoyt's mother was May Axton, who co-wrote Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley. 
Really? Which we have reviewed. Yeah. Well, would you look at that? Back in the charts again. I know, right? Well, I mean, <laughs> the sun, but still, that's a well, yeah. crazy to think. Um, so Absolutely. Let's jump into the song, I guess. Um, I will say right off the bat, the, the energy of it certainly lives up to the name. Like, if nothing else, you'll smile. You'll probably smile. And particularly that opening line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Like, I hear that, and I'm like, okay. Buckling in. <laughs> Buckling in. Let's do this. <laughs> right. Well, I actually, I was reading on the on the wiki, uh, the Wikipedia page, and it actually, apparently, the first line was originally, Jeremiah was a prophet. And apparently that le- or that line by itself just did not test very well. So to make it test a little bit better, they replaced it with bullfrog. And it's funny. I don't know what it is about bullfrogs, but bullfrogs instantly bring you to mind of childhood for some reason. Maybe it's because kids catch frogs all the time. Maybe, yeah. Um, so by making the first line bullfrog, I feel like it transferred the song from like a ridiculous silly song to a kid song almost. I mean, yeah, we'll get into that, that a little bit, but like that one line made it so you can just see little kids everywhere singing this song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, I, I figured out pretty quickly after turning the song on that this is a quintessential seventies track. As far as, you know, as, as far as you can tell, this track is, is great in the sense that you can put it on a party and it gathers a lot of attention at the beginning. But the rest of the song is pretty easygoing. It's pretty fun. It's, it's just something that you can dance around to. It's, a, it's just a good track overall. And honestly, that seems pretty consistent with the band's thoughts on the, on the song as well. They've actually called it a kid's song or like a fun song. Uh, and I just think that's so, that's so uh, interesting for a band to think of their own music like that, I guess. I mean, like, it's not unheard of. Peter, Paul, and Mary said, Puff the Magic Dragon. You know, a lot of people write that's about drugs. And they're like, no, it's a kid's song. Get over yourself, people. <laughs> um, you know, and the Beatles said the same thing about, like, um, Yellow Submarine, right? Right, yeah. So it's not unheard of for a popular pop band or rock group to write what they consider children's music. In fact, I feel like it's a bit of a lost art. Um, when's the last time you heard a pop song that someone's like, yeah, kids totally love this. Why not? Now, granted, this this is a song that you, if you wanted to really give it that kid vibe, you might have to change a couple of the lyrics a little bit. Yes, um, and I was going to talk about that. But... <laughs> but, I mean, this is the type of song that you would sing at, like, summer camp, if you would yeah. change the lyrics to make them a little bit more kid-friendly. Yeah, absolutely. And um, one of the parts that summer camp or... A karaoke night, it doesn't matter. That stupid, memorable course. Right. Um, like, it's just, it, it, somehow it has a first line that's super hooky, and that course, like any good course, mm-hmm. is a major hook, and you can just forget the rest of the song. You have that first line and that course. Right, yeah. <laughs> well, and so it's so funny that, you know, we talk about that, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. So, uh, I, I'm still at, you know, I'm, I'm at my in-laws staying while we are, are searching for a house and they live on a lake. And so we took their kayaks out and me and my wife were just kind of laying in the lake and on the kayaks and we heard a frog. And so my wife out of nowhere, she didn't even know that I had done my research for this song is just like, Jeremiah was a bullfrog. And I'm like, 
what did you just say? <laughs> I was like, how did you, what made you think of that? And she was like, I don't know. It's just something I thought of. And it's like, it just is so ingrained in our subconscious that when we hear a frog, that's almost one of the first things that we think of. Absolutely. Um, and then um, what I also like, so getting a bit more into the song itself, I do like those almost distorted keys. Um, it was like an electric piano. I don't know if it was ran through like a, a guitar amp or what, but it has an almost distorted sound to it that I like a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, this the, the music just feels groovy. Like, uh, there's not another word for it. And, you know, it's 70s, so groovy makes sense. Um, yeah. And, and, and I have a lot of fun with the song. It's just a fun song to listen to. Yeah, and it's one of the first instances. You said it earlier, but when people say classic rock, this is what I think of. Um, I don't think of, like, the Beatles or the Beach Boys. That's, like, oldies, but not classic rock. This is what I think of as far as genre goes of like a um, catchy guitars and big and loud. And mm -hmm. um, this sounds like, you know, it also has a slight country touch to it, which I think was a three dog night kind of um, feature. Mm -hmm. And this song almost predicted like bro country by 40 years. Yeah. Like, can't you hear this being, like, retooled into a country song nowadays? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's a lot that, I mean, honestly, this song holds up pretty well, you know, overall. But, I I mean, I don't know. There's, there's certain things about this song that I think can be changed a little bit to make it a little bit more, I don't know, more modern day but i can definitely see this is the bones of like you know a classic country song or not a yeah. classic, more of like a a modern day country song yeah um this song is also the first time we've had anything mildly controversial pop up in the lyrics um like it's nothing huge it's like drink wine make love to you mm -hmm. right just scattered lines that honestly a kid would go straight over their head and Within the context of the song, um, limited as it is, it's about as offensive as a Shrek movie. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it exists, but no one actually cares. Um, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> so, and really, this this sounds nothing like Shrek. Like, it sounds nothing like Smash Mouth. But right. I feel like Shrek is a good um, kind of basis for the kind of humor and style of the song. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, and I, I don't know. I think Shrek is a good comparison because it's timeless. It's a it's a movie that's loved by a lot of people. And, you know, it's also got its own, you know, little kind of cult following. Uh, and and I, I think this is exactly that. It, it's, you know, those there are those songs that are ingrained in the back of our mind that it, it it's almost like you can hear just a single song, like a single um sound and you immediately think of it like how many people out there hear smash mouse all-star and immediately think um or not not uh all-star um i'm a believer yes yes i'm a believer and immediately think of shrek yeah i mean i i think of i i think of all-star more as shrek but i get where you're going mm -hmm. <laughs> both the songs 
Uh, oh man, I, I don't think Smash Mouth ever pops up on our list, unfortunately, because they do have to talk about. But... <laughs> Probably not. But I mean, there are some there are some artists that definitely rival Smash Mouth that pop up on our list down the line. I don't know if uh, rivaling Smash Mouth is a compliment or not. I'm, I'm going to have to think about that. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll cross that, or excuse me, we'll burn that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, my final thoughts on this, this song is what Sugar Sugar was aiming for. Just a silly good time. Yeah. Um, and and it managed to be um, mostly nonsense, good fun, without like making you too bored mm-hmm. and uh so lyrics i give a 1.5 funny but not horribly clever um mm-hmm. the music i give a 2.5 it's not perfect but it's expert playing and all around great vocal performances um so mm-hmm. three dog night is interesting they have like they're like a seven man band with three lead singers right but for this song they had all seven members of the band singing, singing. the song yeah, I definitely gang vocal horse. Right, yeah. And you know, there's so much that I really do like about this song that I think that you're right. I think Sugar Sugar uh really missed the mark with a lot of things and for anyone that has not listened to my thoughts on Sugar Sugar, uh please look at the other episode that we talk about and I completely rip it to shreds. Um but you know, the solos are in the middle of the track, that sweet bass line and then there's that fantastic key change that just keeps you interested in throughout the entire song it almost takes away from the fact that the last minute of the song is the same lyrics over and over and over again like i wouldn't notice yeah (laughs) um but i've never felt I never felt bored with this song. And I think that was because, you know, of all the other things that were happening with this song to make it feel way more fun than, you know, just a catchy, catchy hook, uh, you know, from like in Sugar Sugar, that's all it was. It was that one little hook that tried to keep you interested. This, there was actual musicality, music theory behind what they were doing. Yeah, it didn't feel so it didn't feel so um, produced, maybe. It felt a bit more organic. Yeah. And, you know, while the lyrics are a little mature for a summer camp, uh, I can see the bones of the song quite clearly, and I have a lot of fun with it. So, overall, the lyrics are pretty nondescript, seemingly have no meaning behind them, but they're fun, they're something I want to sing along to, and the song is really expressive, uh, and it's really expressing exactly what the title is saying. Joy to the world, uh, you know, joy to the world, joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. <laughs> that line cracks me up. I don't even know what they're going for. Right. It's just joy from joy in the skies, joy to you, joy to me, joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. <laughs> and, you know, I... I think that's what makes this song that great. You know, it's, you hear, like, I can, you laugh, but those are the lyrics. And it's like, just me saying the lyrics is enough to, like, put a smile on your face. And I think that's exactly what they're going for. Yeah. And Um, so, while the lyrics are pretty nondescript, I think they do a very good job of doing what they're aiming. Yeah, absolutely. Um... So overall, I give it a two. This could I could easily hear this being done today. 
um, particularly with a big crowd singing along. It's mm-hmm. um, it's something that you'll never listen to and think it's modern. You would listen to this and think, oh, that's an oldie. Right. But um, with a little bit of different production, it could totally fit in a modern landscape, I think. Um, so overall, I give it a six out of nine. Like it's not like knock your socks off, but it's a, it's just a fun. It's just a it's a fun summer song. Um, right. Like and, and you know, completely different summer vein than Beach Boys. It's just like this absolutely. is hanging out in Markleville, um, a little country town on dirt roads. Fun. Right. Yeah. And you know, so for me, music lyrics and how I rated it overall, it was twos across the board. So I mean, I ended it with a I ended with a six out of nine as well. Um, but I just thought that everything was very solid in it and it did exactly what it was accomplishing. And, you know, I think about, you know, I'm sure there would be people out there saying, oh, well, it's like, you know, there was another, you know, sugar, sugar, you tore that to pieces. And I think the reason that this song is so much better is because I listen to this song and it puts a smile on my face and it just, and maybe it's because I'm more cynical than the average person. Uh, it's definitely a possibility, but this song, I mean, the sugar, sugar just gets stuck in my head. This song puts a smile on my face and gets stuck in my head. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, man, that's two songs in a row. I'm curious to see how much we're going to agree on the seventies. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Well, we'll see, uh, we'll see next week. And I'm sure there's, Lots of uh, lots of fun stuff, and I've got lots of fantastic things to say next week. So, um, with that being said, those are our thoughts on that is our thoughts on "Joy to the World" by Three Dog Night. And uh, my name is Samuel, and I'm JP, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your night, guys. As always, this has been a Brothers King Media production. <laughs>